I was glad to be able to share my Bible with Randy Roberts this morning. I really was. However, to be honest with you, when he finished reading the scripture and he took the Bible under his arm and walked off the platform, I thought, I hope it's not my Bible that he's carrying away. If you have your Bibles, if I've said that one time during the last 60 some odd years, I've said it over and over again, if you have your Bible. That's all we have to preach. It's the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. And we become so steeped in tradition. We lose sight of that quite often. Matthew chapter number 2, a passage you should be greatly familiar with. Matthew chapter number 2, beginning with verse 1 and following down through verse number 11. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want to speak this morning, God helping me on the subject, bringing gifts to the Son of God bringing gifts to the Son of God. I do not know of anyone's birthday being treated with more ignorance, lying, distortion, depreciation, dishonor, and hypocrisy than the birthday of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a happy day! It must have been when Christ was born. God in the flesh dwelling among us. 
The angels sang with their hosannas and the shepherds came and worshipped him. What a worship service that must have been. You know, when we think of a birthday, we quickly think of gifts. And we see the presentation of gifts to the Christ child in our scripture. However, we must clear up a thing or two. Number one, the Lord Jesus was approximately two years old when these wise men came from a distant, far-off country and presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It was not at his birth. He was not in a stable. He wasn't in an animal trough. He was in a home. We need to understand that. In verse 11, it says, When they were come into the house, they saw him. Not when they gathered around the barn. That's important. Why is it important? Because the Bible says that. You look at verse 11, verses 13 and 14. Verse number 16, it uses the term when the young child, not the infant, not the baby, but when the, the young child, he was about two years old. We normally base that on what Herod's intentions were revealed in verse 16. Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth all the children and slew all the children that were not the babies, slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Herod wasn't looking for a newborn baby. He was looking for a very small infant, to be sure, somewhere in that range of maybe two years. So Christ probably, most likely, was two years of age at that time. Number two, there could have been two or ten wise men. Don't ever get hung up on that. Had to be three wise men. No. When you read a passage of Scripture, it talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three men, three men. The Bible says that. How many were in the fiery furnace? Well, really four were, the Son of God, but you got the number three. Nowhere does it talk about the three wise men. We kind of added that in, slipped it in. Uh, they were probably religious men, no doubt. They were able to know a little bit about science. John Gill says probably they were kings either from Persia or Arabia. Now, I don't know why Mr. Gill holds to that, but he knows far more than I'll ever learn. So I'll just t- pass that on to you. They came from a great distance. The gifts had more meaning than that which just meets the average eye. I don't believe these gifts and these men just happened to give these particular things. I believe they were God-appointed gifts. And anything else could not have possibly met the hour and met the time. The star was not a conglomeration of Jupiter and all the other planets. Since the light of stars, we now see, as we understand from some, that on their journey, it took them two million years to get here. God, before creation, however, 
probably, most likely, planted this star, and we know it was for a special occasion. There'd never been a star before like it or ever since that time. And the thing I want you to remember is this. The wise men came to worship Christ, not Mary. Now, I can assure you they did not come around that stable singing Ave Maria. They just didn't do that. You know, you've got to milk through some of this junk that happens at Christmas time. Not a word of truth in it. No foundation of Scripture in it. Now, concerning these gifts, not only do they express the love in the hearts of the givers, but they tell us who this one is and to whom they are given. Now notice the text once again. In verse 11, when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's look at the nature of these gifts. Many times we hurriedly read through a passage without really thinking as we're reading three types of gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why these particular three gifts? Number one, gold, a very precious metal, very costly metal used in the medium of exchange. People would use it to pay for goods and things. It is used in Scripture as having to do with deity or the divine manifestation. When you study the tabernacle, some of the furnishings of the tabernacle were made of brass. The brazen altar that sat out in front of the tabernacle was made of brass. Brass speaks of judgment. And then there was the little laver holding water for the priest to wash himself in. That laver... That container was made of brass. It was a type of judgment. But when you got into the tabernacle, the table right directly in front going toward that particular direction was made of gold. No animal was ever offered for sacrifice on that altar. It was an altar of incense. And when the people prayed and they offered gifts unto the Lord... It was a different thing altogether. And then when you walk behind the the veil of the temple or the veil of the tabernacle, you approach the mercy seat. And the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies was made of pure gold, symbolizing God's presence. It's a very important command. They presented unto him gold. It was a gift for kings. In Esther chapter 8, verse 15, the Bible says, And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white and with a great crown of gold and with a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. I read where the queen of Sheba, when she came to visit King Solomon, She brought him a tremendous amount of gold. Why? He was a king. This was a gift for kings. And in Psalm 21, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says the king 
David is speaking of the position of being king. The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation. How greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire and hast not withholden the request of his lips, Selah. For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness, and thou settest a crown of pure gold upon his head. David wore a crown of gold because David was a king. It was a gift for kings. And this is the first mention of the gift of this particular thing, that it was a gift of gold. They were recognizing that this was not just another child, not just another birth, not just another infant, my dear friends. This one was destined to become king, a ruler over the people of God. That's one reason why they gave it. And then a second gift was called frankincense. Frankincense. It was a very expensive and sweet-smelling oil. It was an ingredient in the oil of anointing the priests. Whenever a man accepted the office of priesthood, they anointed him with frankincense. It had to do with priesthood and the duties and responsibilities of being a priest. And it was used by the priest in certain offerings. When they were offered certain things, they would sprinkle it with frankincense. In Leviticus chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, when many will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon, and the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. So it was used in relationship to the priesthood. The gold would speak of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. The frankincense would speak of Jesus Christ, who is our only priest, the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And finally, the commodity called Myrrh, a very expensive and fragrant perfume. It was used as a medicine, practically speaking. For instance, when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 23, the Bible says they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. Myrrh was used as a medicine for pain. And this is why our Lord received it not. He did not want to have any of the price of our salvation diminished by a drug, and he refused to take it, even though he would later say, I thirst. But you see, that is evidence that it was used in that capacity. It was also used... For embalming, that was most famous among the Egyptians. The Jews did not do that. But nonetheless, it was used for embalming and also as a preservative. In John's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 38 through 40. John's Gospel 19, verses 38 through 40. 
And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he may take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought him a mixture. Now our Lord was dead, and he's being anointed. And Nicodemus shows up with a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. They would anoint the individual, the corpse, if I may use that terminology, with myrrh. So we have gold speaking of kingship. We have frankincense speaking of the priesthood of the believer. And then we have myrrh, which speaks of the sacrifice that Christ will make for the sins of his people when he dies on Calvary's cross. John the Baptist knew a little about about this when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So again, these were not just random gifts. They were gifts with particular meaning and prophetic power. And it was evidenced in the offering of them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The significance of these gifts. Again in verse number 11 of Matthew 2. They anointed him with and presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were acknowledging that Christ is the King of kings. Not going to be. He is the King of kings. Prophecy declared a coming king. In that Matthew chapter 2 reference, look at verses 4 through 6. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor and shall rule my people Israel. Prophecy concerning the coming kingdom. The Lord Jesus Christ setting up a kingdom. The wise men sought for this king in verse 2 of Matthew 2. Saying unto Herod, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Even the annunciation of the angel Gabriel that was given to the Virgin Mary in Luke chapter number 1. Verses 30 through 33. In Luke chapter 1. Verses 30 through 33. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. 
And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. He shall sit on the throne of his father David. Now you need to understand that David only had one throne. For about six years he ruled in Hebron and then they moved the the kingdom from Hebron to Jerusalem. And when they moved it to Jerusalem, he spent the rest of his reign as king over Jerusalem. One day, the Lord Jesus is going to sit on the throne of his father David. Now, that's not at the right hand of God. The Lord Jesus is at the right hand of God as our intercessor today. But one day, he's coming again to sit on the throne of his father David. Brother Kusa, why do you say that? That's what the scripture says. That's what the Bible says. Now, I'll tell you, those Iraqans and Iranians and a bunch of infidels over there, they might as well get ready for it. It's coming. The Lord's coming to claim what belongs to him. The Annunciation spoke of His cross inscribed him as king. When he was placed on the cross, according to Matthew 27, 37, and set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. People from all over the world could speak different languages, would be again noticed, and it would be verified that this man is the king of the Jews. So gold would be quite appropriate, would it not, as a gift to present to the Lord Jesus Christ, king of kings and lord of lords frankincense they were acknowledging him as high priest not only as king but also as high priest Christ is our only high priest in the book of Hebrews chapter number 7 the book of Hebrews chapter number 7 verses 25 through 27 wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Not only, my dear friends, did he offer the sacrifice, he was the sacrifice that was offered on Calvary's cross for the sins of his people. He is our only high priest. Frankincense. Anointed with frankincense. Acknowledging him not only as king, but as high priest. I mentioned those two altars, the brazen altar outside of the tabernacle and the golden altar inside the tabernacle. And they would offer incense on that golden altar and the smoke of that incense, it was a sweet-smelling, perfumed incense. It ascended. The picture of it being prayers of God's people extending into the very ears of the Son of God.
Uh, we don't we don't practice uh, going to the priest and confessing your sin. We we have a priest, and there's only one, and that priest is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Frankincense and then myrrh. They were acknowledging Him as Savior, pointing to His death. Christ Jesus came into this world for the purpose of dying. He came into this world to fulfill God's plan of a needed sacrifice. Why? Because no amount of our works or no amount of our sacrifices would ever be accepted by God. It must come as a perfect sacrifice, and he's the only perfect sacrifice. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the Lamb of God. Christ is our only Savior. John fourteen six. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You see, he was the Son of God, God incarnate, for in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, but he was also God's Messiah, the promised one in the Old Testament that would one day come and rule in a threefold fashion, prophet, priest, and king. As a prophet, he died. As a priest, he resurrected. And as a king, he will be coronated worldwide as king of kings and lord of lords. Now, take a moment, if you would, to compare these gifts with his second coming. You say, well, isn't Christmas about his first coming? No, it's about him. Everything there is about him. That's what it's about. As a matter of fact, I never have been quite able to understand... And I know, you're going to say, Brother Cozart, you're picky. I sure am. Just as picky as I can be. When, when somebody says to me, Merry Christmas, I don't want to be ugly. I really don't want to be ugly. I'm ugly and natural. I don't have to try it, okay? But I want to ask them, what do you mean by that? When you tell somebody, Merry Christmas, what did you have in mind? What were you thinking about? I'm giving you time to think. <laughs> anyway, I'm off track. Isaiah chapter 60. I said, let's turn to it. Isaiah 60. So what's Isaiah 60 got to do with it? Well, you'll see if you turn. Isaiah chapter number 60, this speaks of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of words that speak of some of the brilliance of his first coming, but it's speaking of the second coming of Christ. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Well, that very thing happened when he was born the first time he came. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Now, I tell you, I believe one of the signs 
of the latter days is we're living in gross darkness today and the Bible even talks about that gross darkness. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to the light. Praise God, it's not just for the Israelites. It's not just for the Jews, for the Gentiles too. And the Gentiles shall come to the light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about and see, all they that gather themselves together. They come to thee, thy sons shall come from afar off, and they will. They're all going to come to where he is when he comes the second time. And verse 5, thou shalt see and flow together and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee and the forces of the Gentiles shall come. That didn't happen the first time he came. That didn't happen as an infant when he was born into this world. Notice the multitude of camels shall cover thee and dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all they from Sheba shall come. Now watch it. They shall bring gold and incense, that's frankincense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. How do we know that's the second coming? Because there's no myrrh there. At the second coming, they offer gifts. To the Lord, gold and frankincense, but no myrrh. You know the reason for no myrrh? It's because he'll only die one time to pay the price for our salvation. And when he comes the second time, we won't need any embalming fluid. No surgery. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. I think it's amazing. It's a prophetic picture of the coming Christ on this earth. Gold will be in order. Why? Because he'll still be king of kings and lord of lords. Frankincense will be in order. He will be the priest eternally. But no need for myrrh. Because Christ will have already died once. To die no more. Let me give you this word of conclusion. Button up your seatbelt. Just a little tight there. Jesus Christ was not born on December the 25th. That date has been handed down to us by the influence of the Roman Catholic Church. Most of the world, however, has come to hold to that date. Though we're in the midst of December, and we are, it is a time of buying. Have you noticed that? A time of giving of presents and gifts. And one might just ask the question, is there an appropriate gift that believers could give to the Lord today? Is there an appropriate gift that I as a Christian and you as a Christian could give to the Lord today? The answer to that 
is absolutely yes. Well, you say, what is it, Brother Kozar? I figured you'd ask that. Turn to Romans chapter 12. The book of Romans chapter number 12. Verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now he's talking to God's people. Talking to Christians. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, watch it, present. Now that's the same word that he used in describing the wise men, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They presented. There's something I can present. There's something you can present. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, don't wait till you get old and you got one foot in the grave and another foot on a banana peeling. God's not interested you give him your corpse. He wants a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. And it's to be holy. It is to be acceptable unto God. It is your reasonable service. It's the least we can do. And be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What can I give to the Lord today, Brother Kozart? Yourself. Yourself. Give your bodies as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Would you do that? Are you willing to do that? I trust that you are. A lot of giving goes on in December. I know of nothing that would bring our Lord more glory than for people to bow before him and say, Lord, I surrender. Surrender to thee. Appreciate you being in this service. Let's stand please for prayer.